Hello and welcome to episode 1108 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, October 25th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing all right. I had a family of sick people, and so my, my four-year-old has decided that this is the time that she wants to spend every night in our bed. Uh, like, she, let me catch the sickness, too. Let me pass it around. Uh, that, I mean, I'm pretty... Like I, I got a pretty good immune system, so like, like everybody that has gets sick, and I, I end up being fine most of the time, fighting it uh, off left and right. But like, I don't care how big of a bed you have. We have a big bed because I'm a big guy, um, and uh, it doesn't matter. Like, you put a four year old in that bed, and she's kicking you in the back of the head all night long. It's, it's like just, Big Daddy. Yeah, you remember just, that movie? Yeah, when he's like rolling around, taking mm-hmm. up all the space. You, you'd think like putting a little dog in the bed wouldn't be a problem. Shar's got some four-year-old energy. She mm-hmm. somehow takes up exponentially more space than than she is. So I can semi-relate. I'm not saying dogs are kids. I'm, I know it's not a one-to-one, but they I are. feel you on that. I feel you. I mean, I, I, I treat them like that, but I I don't want to disrespect parents out there. Anyway, we're talking starting pitchers today. We both have rankings uh, established. You do not have yours out yet, right? Mine will come out probably next week. I'm finishing up my super depressing series on how bad my season was, and that'll that should finish up probably this week. And then next week I will drop ranks for every position. Um, uh, next week I'll have them all loaded up so that way I don't have to worry about doing anything while we're at Arizona for the fall league. Love it. I am very excited for the fall league. It's going to be an absolute blast. But, uh, yeah, we have lots to talk about here. So let's go ahead and get started with – we had a few names that uh, – I was like, these are the unranked. And then you're like, wait a minute, I forgot these. Hang on. And so we, we don't have any uh, notable unranked right now. We're going to get into a few different groupings. Uh, the first one I noticed is that we just kind of have a stark outlook on finesse lefties. Mm-hmm. There, there was a group of them that we wound up being – Quite different on Martin Perez, Cole Irvin, Jose Quintana, Tyler Anderson, and Jordan Montgomery. So let me uh, let me break these up a little bit differently. Let's start with Perez and Quintana. I kind of grouped them together because they were guys left for dead. Irvin <laughs> was coming off the pretty good year. People in leagues of enough depth were interested in him because of Oakland. Um, and then Tyler Anderson was with the Dodgers, so he also had some intrigue that was kind of rated above Perez and Quintana and Irvin. And then Jordan Montgomery was just well-regarded and pretty much a mixed-league pick across the board. Maybe a kind of a, a waiver-wire type guy in 10-teamers to start the year. But So we'll, we'll break it down like that. We'll go Perez, Quintana, Irvin on his own, then Anderson and Montgomery. So Perez and Quintana had brilliant years, and you kind of gave him a little hat tip on that, saying because of, of how good those years were, I felt like it was worth, I being you in this instance, having them at, at a ranking of a certain number. Uh, you got Perez at 72 and, and Quintana at 86. I put him 136, 137. I was pretty harsh. Disrespect. But, I mean, I stand by it. I, I, I have some concerns about what they're going to actually be able to do next year. And I, I, don't, I, I don't know that my fears can be fully assuaged with regard to these guys, um, I certainly don't see myself necessarily drafting them. I will say this. I don't believe that Quintana or uh, Martin Perez are going to be terribly pricey. 
but that alone will not generate interest for me personally. So let's talk about these two. Perez Quintana, you are a little bit more favorable on Perez, although 72 to 86 ranking is not that much of a split. So I, I think you like them pretty similarly. So, <laughs> but let's start with Perez. Uh, what did you see this year? Because I was doubting him all year. I, I, let me take my L first. Doubting him all year, saying the home run rate will go up. I don't think he can keep doing this. He did it. He did it all year. So credit to him. And there were factors that that changed to make Martin Perez better. But can those carry over next year? Namely, the sharp ground ball increase that helped him keep the ball in the yard at like a career best clip, 0.5 homer nine with a 7% homer to fly ball rate, which was uh, 10 points or nine points lower than last year and well below his 12% career mark. So what did you see on Martin Perez's, uh, you know, kind of breakout sort of year here? And what do you see for him next year? I mean, I think this is very park influenced. And so I, I think with, with both of these guys, we have to talk about the fact that both free agents. Um, yes. Now, I think that Perez especially will end up back in Texas. I just think. I hope you're right. The reason they didn't trade him at the deadline, even though they weren't competing, um, I, tells me that they consider him part of their future um and that that worst they're going to give him a qualifying offer and if he gets a qualifying offer he's got to take it i mean it's just he's i don't know sure, I, guess. I don't know how you leave what is it 18 million dollars on the table or whatever um yeah so i would i would just be shocked if uh if he was not back in texas now we saw this last year with john gray right like um, for uh, but for it's the Rockies, Rockies. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're morons, so keep that yeah. in mind, too. I mean, I, I don't want to give Texas too much credit, though. Like, spending the money they did on two guys, uh, in uh, in Simeon and Seeger, like, uh, I didn't have very, any problems with that. It seems so weird to spend that kind of money when you're when you're seemingly that far away. Now, I think they're probably they're definitely closer now. I, th um, I think we talk out of both sides of our mouth like uh, like that as as a as a baseball community, though. Why don't the poor teams or you know why don't the low teams spend and then they spend? What are you guys doing? Like they can't win. I mean, these are two guys. Um, in, in Seager, you got a guy that was well on the right side of 30. He was, this was his age 27, uh, age 28 year. And then Semyon, a little bit older, but obviously had established himself as a really strong player, got off to that bad start, but then played well. You got two really strong guys, um, that, that ended up having good seasons. I, I mean, I think that's a start there. So mm -hmm. I, I got to disagree with you on that one. I think I thought it was okay. No, I mean, like. I, I, just, I was surprised, let's just say that. But uh, that being said, like, I think Perez, I mean, he made a conscious decision to allow more contact um, and or take advantage of that park uh, and let his defense pick him up behind him. Uh, and uh, he's never going to be stud. And I think often when people rank in this spot, they go, oh, I want a guy who can become, you know, an SP40. I, I don't want a guy who I think probably caps out an SP60. But one of the things I noticed, and you and I kind of talked about this off air, uh, just kind of briefly, is like one of my weaknesses, especially in like my draft and hold strategy uh, in, in 2022, was not getting these kind of mid-rotation starting pitchers that could just be stalwarts, that could just get me innings. And Perez is that guy. Like I think Perez, you know, he, you know, he's not gonna win me my league necessarily, but he's gonna keep me competitive while other guys hopefully win. So, uh, I maybe I'm a little bit high on him, 
but at what level uh, let, let's let's clarify that a little bit because we do play mm-hmm. in in deeper formats in general the two of us mm-hmm. uh 15 team being your full focus last year and my primary focus i think i'm going to uh look into shaving the 12 teamers out of there as well just like you did this year so you know we're talking on a different level because prior to this year martin perez could get you some innings but were they innings you necessarily wanted so i guess the question mm-hmm. is do you wh- where does he regress to right 289 ERA, 126 whip this year in 196 innings. Put him back in Texas where you think Perez is going to be. What does Martin Perez do next year that has you drafting him as the 72nd pitcher? I think he's like a 375 kind of ERA guy. Um, okay, so you're giving some credence. With a, with a lot of innings. Like, and those innings are really, really important. So we have got a lot of guys who just don't go as deep into games, don't go as deep into – uh, the season. And so if I can get 180 innings at like 375 ERA, like I'm feeling pretty good, even though it's not going to be like a million strikeouts. That's what mm-hmm. other guys are for. So, uh, but and I just want can to counter that uh, a phenomenon. Yeah. We talk about a lot. If a guy's throwing 190 plus innings, doesn't have the best K rate, the volume of case still kind of gets him up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, that, that was like Wainwright's deal as a, as an ACE uh, was he didn't always have the ACE K rate. But he threw 225 innings, so you got your 180 Ks. So you exactly. got Perez. You know, this year he had 169 Ks. That's not a bad total. Like yeah. that, that, that's certainly playable. I guess my my question would be, you know, can he really maintain another seven percent homer to fly ball rate and keep the ball in the yard? Be- he was very successful at doing it, but as a 31 year old, kind of learning a new trick, I got to keep looking at the 443, 145 career numbers and. I have a hard time not thinking he gets a lot closer to that next year. Um, I, I definitely think that's going to regress, but I think that's kind of built in to what I think he'll end up doing. I do. I think he's going to regress all the way back B- built being, into the price. You mean yeah. to where, which I would agree with is that yeah. you're not going to pay such a premium for Perez that he has to repeat this year. Yeah. But I do wonder if it's still maybe too high. For me specifically, not. I think he. I think it comes back to like a homer per nine as opposed to um, a homer half per nine, which was what he had the pre, uh, previous year in twenty twenty one. So, uh, I, I definitely. I mean, and things can change drastically, right? He ends up back in a place like Boston, and then we're just like, okay, watch him tumble down my ranks. But like I said, I think he's going to stay in Texas, where you know those home runs are kind of helped out. By that park um it's also a pretty decent division to pitch in when you're going up against the angels and uh and oakland i know they're going to be playing less games against their division but they still play the majority of games against their division so mm-hmm. um or at least they play more games against their division than they play against uh uh other other teams so yeah so, uh yeah i mean I, th- I think the bigger issue is quintana to be honest i yeah, you let's know, talk about I him. Don't. Let's bring him in. You got him at 86. By the way, Martin Perez finished 41 on the player Raider uh, mm-hmm. for starters. Quintana was 60th. And um, so, you know, not not too far there. He had a great year. Started with Pittsburgh. And, you know, it's a little bit under the radar because it's Pittsburgh. And it's a guy we kind of 
not left for dead, but he was waiver wire fodder, nothing special. In fact, he was coming off a pretty bad year. So maybe he was mm-hmm. left for dead. 643 ERA, 173 whip in 63 innings last year for Quintana. Nobody was really being like, oh, I'm going to get back on that train as a rebirth. Uh, and he throws up 165 and two-thirds of a 293 ERA, 121 whip. Home run suppression was also a massive key for Quintana. He went to St. Louis. You couldn't have found a better fit at the deadline, by the way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, thanks to the Pirates for really giving the perfect fit to help keep his season going. In fact, he took it up a level. He posted a 201 ERA with them and a 112 whip. Really, he kind of established the greatness of his season that Quintana did with St. Louis after a good start with Pittsburgh. So you say you have more concerns about him. 5% homer to fly ball rate and a .4 homer nine, which led the league, uh, career marks of .91 and 10% on the homer to fly ball. So does he get back toward that, which basically doubles those rates in your estimation for Quintana? I think a lot of it depends on where he ends up. PNC is a great place to pitch. Um, uh, Bush Stadium is a great place to pitch. That division is a great division to pitch in. But does he end up back there? Because he's going to be one of those guys that is – like the afterthought of the market, right? He's going to be one of the last guys uh, signed, and it'll, yeah. he'll go to a team that just needs another starting pitcher and doesn't want to spend a ton of money. Um, so, and I, I don't he, think it'll be St. Louis, to be honest. And I, you know, when I was doing the ranks last night, I was like, oh, he's in St. Louis. Great defense behind him. Great park to pitch in. Great division to pitch in. But I, I didn't even think about the fact that he's a free agent and he could end up anywhere. Um, so yeah, he's definitely got to drop. Uh, I, I, because I think, like you, you, I think you have to regress him either way in terms of the home run rate. Um, and if you then move him out of St. Louis, you have to regress him so much more. Um, so I'm, I'm probably, I probably need to drop him about 30, 30 to forty spots, uh, just based on that. Okay. Uh, and we're so. 51 spots apart, so a drop there, we're going to be pretty close on Quintana. And I, I think Perez and Quintana are subject to change on both of our lists once we see where they're set. So we will definitely stay tuned there. Let's go to uh, the rest of the guys here. We don't have to go too much further down the player radar to find Cole Irvin, who was 68th, eight spots behind Jose Quintana. Now, he, I mentioned at the outset purposefully that he had some buzz this year, especially in the deeper formats, based on his home park. And he really leveraged that this year. He was a major home road guy to the point where I really don't think he should have even been using him on the road outside of maybe selective outings here and there. But the breakdown was 307 ERA, 102 whip at home, 526, 135 on the road. His soft tossing finesse stuff uh, gets beat up when you don't have 14 miles of foul territory there. 17% K rate. He's a good control guy. Great control guy, I'll say, but also has a home run issue. Uh, one, two homer nine this year with just an 11% homer to fly ball rate too. So it's not like he just had an inordinate number of uh, homer to fly uh, homers on fly balls. He just gives up homers because he's very hittable. So what are you doing with a Cole Irvin who has two good years in a row? Again, four leagues of a particular depth, but has flimsy skills and is so reliant upon that home park. You had him 88. I put him 149. I can acknowledge that I'm probably a, a bit too low there. 149 is pretty aggressively negative, but I do think um, I do think your ranking is still a bit on the high end at 88. I'm not sure I can get inside the top 100 for Cole Irvin. Talk to us about what you're seeing from him and uh, what you like as far as Cole Irvin, or is it just that home road split that you trust and you'll lean on the Oakland starts? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, is I'm going to lean on those Oakland starts. 
when we're talking about guys going outside of the top, uh, you know, 80 starting pitchers, um, they all have huge warts. Uh, and I'd rather take the guy that doesn't have the huge injury wart um, or the huge, I'm going to be terrible everywhere wart. Um, and uh, as, as much as, you know, you hate drafting a guy, you can only start half the time or most time you can only start half the time. You know, he's going to get innings and like, there's no risk to his rotation spot. Like there are a lot of guys in this area uh, that are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure like Oakland, what, like why would Oakland not just roll him out there? Uh, especially as they try to monitor innings on younger guys who will be kind of coming up and going back down and things like that. I, th- I think he is probably. Are you sure he stays there though? At some point it's time to That's... cash him in uh, with Cole Irvin. I mean, you know, they got Blackburn, Waldachuk, Caprillion and Sears, four guys that they're probably hoping like can be part uh, mm-hmm. of their future in some capacity. And Irvin's not old. In fact, uh, uh, mm-hmm. both Blackburn and Cap- actually, no, um, Irvin, Blackburn, and Caprillion are all 28 and and close to 29. Uh, Blackburn's the oldest, then Irvin, then Caprillion. So he's not old or anything, but his upside is so limited. I, I do wonder if maybe they find... They've got so much control on him. He's not a free agent until 2027. Um, I'm not that's not a guy you just... Special, though. I'm not sure, but like you know, like that's a guy you can hold for cheap for a really long time uh, and just kind of be that every fifth day guy going to get me innings, going to like, you know, soak up innings of bullpen would have to normally take, uh, I don't know. He could like, but what do they get for him on the market? Like every team has an analytics department. Even if you're a team with a crappy one, they're going to be like, look at what he does on the road. Um, so they like, probably trade him to a good park place. I'm not. I'm not even saying that like he's some big trade candidate. It would be for some non-script yeah, prospect who's like a teenager or something that they're just trying to you know give some depth for. I I can't take a guy in the top 100 who is half a pitcher and, and not that, even that good when he is a half pitcher. Like when Marquez was good, I still wasn't taking him because you know uh, he's only half a pitcher and it puts such a burden on him to be good on the road. I mean, it was you know, such an easy call to lay off of the the Marquez stuff because he hadn't figured out Coors for shit. Nobody does. But Irvin is literally unusable on the road. He has 5'10 ERA last year, 5'32 this year, I think I said. Um, So that's a tough part because you're not getting Ks either. So you're really banking on the ratios at home there. And so I just, I I can't, I can't do it with Cole Irvin. Yeah, I'm going to drop him probably 20 spots or so. Okay. Um, so I'll drop. I've got him at ninety-two right now. I will drop him down to. Oh, sorry, I didn't have your update there. So ninety-two, a little bit uh, different than what I had. I'm gonna drop him to one hundred and seven. Seven still gives us a split, but I also acknowledge that my one forty-nine on Cole Irvin could probably use a little boost, and then it gets us a bit closer, and then we're not too far apart there. All right, let's go to the the higher end guys here in this finesse lefty category. Tyler Anderson. Again, we know it's super, super, super dependent on where he winds up. Uh, because if it's with the Dodgers, I think everyone has a level of interest that that jumps up. If it's virtually anywhere else, I think all of a sudden you start to say, okay. It's, and it's not even like, oh, he's going to forget what they taught him and he's like a brain-dead idiot once he leaves there. Like, oh, what, what? I, I don't know anything that they taught me anymore. It's not that. But there is something about being with the team that kind of built you and having that reinforcement when things go wrong and the voices that you hear there that keep you good 
he can probably take some of the things that he learned there to make that mm -hmm. change up so brilliant for Tyler Anderson. But I do worry if he's not a Dodger. You had him 47. I got him 84. I think there's probably room for us to meet in the middle. I can, I can again, acknowledge that yeah. maybe I can go up a little bit there. But I can't quite go top 50 for Tyler Anderson, especially not knowing where he is. But even as a Dodger, I think I'm still probably maxing out in the 55 to 70 range. What say you on Tyler Anderson after his breakout? He's probably the most difficult person. And really, three members of the Dodgers rotation were, were some of the most difficult guys to rank. And I kind of lumped them all together, and then I moved up like Nick Lodolo. And so uh, they're not together because uh, it goes Kershaw, Lodolo, um, Gonsolin, Anderson. Yeah. Like, I, By the what way, do you do with any of those guys? Like, I just don't, I don't really tough. know. You I, got old Kirsch. You got mm -hmm. Gonzo, who like had an amazing year, but it wasn't super skill supported. And then Tyler Anderson and injury, like, and, and, and injury, absolutely. Yeah. And every other day, it seemed like something was going on with mm -hmm. him. And by the way, I will mention Tyler Anderson twentieth on the player writer. so he had a truly brilliant and season that, this year. And that was the hard part. So, like, if you look at like my ranks when I do post them, like I've got what they what they made according to the auction calculator on mm -hmm. on there. And like, yeah, I mean, he was fantastic from my like. You know, money earned, and yes, you know, we want to not care as much about like what they did for us and think more about what they're gonna do for us. It's so hard to ignore what they did. Um, and it is, but I, yeah. I really don't know because, like you said, if he leaves the Dodgers, that I think, I mean, depending on where he ends up, unless it's you know, it's a little list. handful of teams that we would still be intrigued, by, yeah, you know, goes to Houston, Cleveland, Tampa, but you know, I'm not gonna name them all, but like there's five, six, seven teams that we'd still be pretty interested, but that still leaves a lot where we'd be like, okay, Tyler yeah. Anderson, you're back on the scrap heap type of guy, mm -hmm. or, or like a waiver wire team streamer type dude at that point. So that's my concern there, but he, he was 20th man and 18th on the uh, on our auction calculator, so a little bit of discrepancy between the Rasball player raider and our auction calculator. But the bottom line is Tyler Anderson was amazing this year. And there was something behind it. It wasn't just uh, Flukesville. It was having that amazing changeup really, really dominate for him. Mm -hmm. And how much of that do you think he's going to be able to hold regardless of where he winds up? Let's just put him in a neutral spot somewhere that we're not mad about, but we're not super happy about. What kind of year do we get from Tyler Anderson? He's a career 416, 125 ERA whip who put up a 257 and a one flat. And his skills weren't that different. In fact, his strikeout to walk ratio only went up one point, but his home run suppression dropped in half from 1.5 to 0.7. So what, what, what do you see there uh, as far as like a regress to what for Tyler Anderson in, in a neutral spot? And then I think that's a really difficult question because we've seen like we in the 60 innings he threw the Giants, like we saw very similar stuff, right? Like we saw he went to a smart organization who had to utilize him and he was healthy-ish um, until he wasn't. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he was really good. And like, but it's also like this amazingly bad downside uh, that we have to like factor in. I want to say like he's probably a mid threes guy. Um you know, three five, three six. Uh, I could live with that. Yeah, I'm looking I mean, more low fours for Tyler Anderson, but I, I could, I could definitely get down with mid threes. Like, yeah, that, that mean, would make me draft him if I, if I could be. Obviously, I can't be uh, assured mm -hmm. of that, but that would, that would give me more interest. I'm not quite sure I can, can get there though with the, with the home run worry. Basically, it comes down to the home run suppression for so many of these guys. 
um, that was an incidental theme here with these finesse mm -hmm. lefties. But that point seven is the best he's had outside of the San Francisco time where Tyler Anderson had a point eight or point seven five, you know, if you want to uh, push the decimal out. And it was a home run to five ball drop too, six percent, mm -hmm. the same six percent he had this year. So, how much of what he's doing and when that changeup is working for Tyler Anderson helps the home run to fly ball rate? And how much of it is just good luck? I mean, I think a lot of it is is the changeup, and if he can continue to, uh, you know, utilize it in the same way and and be able to pinpoint it. The problem is a guy like him is like there's so little margin for error. Uh, on that, and if the change up, you know, if he loses the change up the way like Rogers lost the change up yes. this year, like it could be those kind of results. Um, great, it's a great call. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like how much of a difference is there between him and Martin Perez? Um, it may not be, it, it's uh, and I, you know, I mean, I. You know, I've got Martin Perez at, what do you say, 72? Like, yeah. he probably should be more in that area. I initially now dropped uh, him down. Uh, and Him being Tyler Anderson or Martin Perez? Yeah, sorry, Tyler Anderson. I've dropped him down to 59. Okay. Kind of putting him in a place of, like... The king of the finesse lefties? Yeah, it makes him the king of the finesse lefties. But, like, right now, like, I've got him around Tyler Glass now, who... Like came back, looked strong, but like still gonna be the first year off of Tommy John, um, uh, and I've got him next to like Jeffrey Springs, who like was great, uh, and but who but, like, the f is Jeffrey Springs like prior and, to this year? Like does he even have a role? Like I, I mean, you can never trust Tampa Bay. I don't like. I, I, I just try and trade for I, Jeffrey I, Springs in a league, and and the guy who was trading from very rightly said like, listen, dude, he's a stud. He pitches on Tampa Bay, like. Yeah, but he pitches on Tampa Bay, and is he said like he, I, he, he? He said that as a positive, and you were like, "No, the Tampa Bay thing is a yeah. bit of a negative until I get some role certainty." Yeah, like it's just so scary. And I got Hunter Green right there, who again, like one of these guys where like I know he's gonna have a role. He's got amazing stuff, but he also pitches in Cincinnati, in that you know, and I got a little high on Green, and we're gonna talk about that on Friday when we when we roast my yeah. rankings. You're in the fire today. I'll be in the fire on Friday, and I know you're gonna have some uh, mm -hmm. some, some questions. Oh yeah, for me. oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk, about, including uh, two guys that you've named here. Um, yeah, uh, Glass now and Green that I think you're gonna have some questions on for me. But as I'm looking at it here, I, I do think I'm gonna move up um, Perez for sure, who I believe whose surge I believe in a bit more than Quintana. But I have Anderson at 84, which is where you've kind of moved. Perez and Quintana too. So if, and we're kind of agreeing that they're similar. So I got to get those two guys up from 136, 137. I'm definitely going to agree there. You've got Anderson down to 59. I think once he signs with the team, if it's positive, you'll probably have him closer in your seventies, my, my guess. Mm -hmm. And then if it's good, if it's the Dodgers, maybe you move him inch him back up, maybe into the upper fifties or even the low forties. Again, is that the right read on where you're going to go with Anderson based on his team? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Um, okay. Let's get to the top guy here in this group then, Jordan Montgomery. Uh, well, actually, Tyler Anderson had a better year. When I say top guy, I mean for bankability going right. forward. I think everyone yeah. trusts Montgomery the most of this group. And listen, you talk about a great fit after the trade. Uh, we talked about that with Quintana. Montgomery, too, of course. He goes to this team here, and it couldn't have gone better. He amplifies the Ks. 
kept his walk rate in check. The homers go down, not in a crazy rate, but from 1-2 to 0.9. Uh, getting out of Yankee Stadium and the AL East certainly helped. And he put up a 311 ERA and 108 whip in 64 innings with the uh, with the Cardinals. En route to a great season for Montgomery. He was 46th among SPs this year. You have him 32. I have him 60. I really, really like Montgomery, so I don't have any negativity here. I was pretty surprised in a positive way that you had Montgomery so high at 32. What, what say you? Man, this is just a weird um, – I think once you get past the top 25-ish, like there's some real questions, maybe even like top 30. Um, and I think that like there's a really, really thick tier of SP2s, SP3s, or SP4s. Like I, uh, And I just really love the situation Montgomery's in. And like he – usually we worry about guys who get traded mid-season, you know, like how are they going to do in this – Kind of new location, uh, you know, first time going through a lot of batters that they've probably never seen before. And for Montgomery, like he even talked publicly about, like, you know, his wife had just gotten a fellowship uh, at a hospital, uh, you know, becoming a doctor. There was some like, sadness for that. Like, like he was, he was bummed. He was super, and super bummed. It was nothing anti-Cardinals. It was all about where his life yeah. was and how they were setting things up to be in the Northeast. And that shit got flipped upside down in a hurry. Yeah. And he, I mean, he went to St. Louis and pretty much just shoved. Like, I mean, yeah. he was really, he was he was really, really good. Um, and he had what he two opened blow with, like, up. Tw- 20, what did he open with like 20 score? Or no, no, it was one earned in his first 25 and two thirds with them. So yeah. continue on Montgomery. Uh, including going up against the Yankees. Uh, in his very was, first start, which yeah, was first, so yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had a couple blow-up starts. He had a five-earned uh, run outing against um, the Braves and a six-earned run outing uh, at the Dodgers. But for the most part, like, he was just really, really steady. Uh, it's a great park dimension. It had with a great defense behind him, mm-hmm. and he uh, uh, in a great division to pitch in. Like, it's just – like, there's pretty much nothing to dislike about Jordan Montgomery and. I'm kind of glad he got blown up a couple times towards the end of the season because soften those numbers a little bit. I, I think most people would have had him near me had he shoved against the Dodgers and the Braves. Uh, I think I put up like a 250 ERA with mm-hmm. them, and then everyone's like, "Oh my God, he's the realness." And I do think Montgomery can put up a full season of what he did with St. Louis. Like he put 311, yeah. 108. So I'm thinking I'm going to move him up a little bit, to be honest. I I might move him down a hair. Yeah, like- I think 32 is a little high because like, or let me ask you this because then it might not be a little high. Do you think that he can a either hold the 24% K rate or B that he had with St. Louis? It was 22 on the year or B. Do you see a potential rise? I mean, I think he could have a rise like that division. Like I said, like a really great division to pitch in when you're going up against the pirates um, and the Cubs who strike out a ton uh, the uh, the Brewers aren't like a dynamic offense that I'm like super super worried about. Like that's a really really they had uh, troubles. Yeah, they had pockets of issues. Mm-hmm. A like, lot that's of a times really year. good division to pitch in, a really good park to pitch in. Um, uh, an organization I really trust. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he could. I think he can at least hold. I think there is a chance he could even gain on that. Now he's got a full offseason to work with a team work on the things. I mean, Cardinal devil magic is a real thing. I know some people don't believe in devil magic, but 
it's October, folks. Don't don't try to say that yeah. you don't believe in it. It's October. Yeah. We are. We see it everywhere. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons to be really, really stoked about Jordan Montgomery. Uh, maybe I move him down a few spots. The hard part is like he isn't like smack in this tier of guys for me that goes from like probably thirty to about forty three ish, where like there's like just question marks like right like there are just uh there are guys that are former studs that like hey they should get back right lucas giolito um jack flaherty uh pablo lopez mm-hmm. uh, and, and then you've got the guys who like either came out of nowhere and so they don't have much of a track record um like you know kyle wright and nestor cortez and uh um chris navier like Brady Singer, like, like these are guys like that I really like, but there's very little track record and there are warts and that is um, that is a scary group. I'm looking at your ranking set right now, and I have a lot of those guys in that general vicinity mm-hmm. uh right there with you. And you're right, it is it is somewhat landmine laden. Some of these guys will stay strong and emerge and actually jump a level. Finding out who is the tough part. I can't remember where I read this, and maybe someone can point it out, or maybe you know, but this was a few years ago now, and it was a pretty decent study as far as like depth that pointed out that the second, third tier area of pitchers, what I think we would call like, depending on a given year, but let's say like 25 to 50 was the worst investment. I because, think it was Rudy Gamble. Um, okay. So, it, and it was loaded with guys who, like you said, they didn't have the track record. They'd popped up. They'd had great years, but people didn't quite believe in them. So they might, like Tyler Anderson, right? He finished 20th last year. Well, no one was going to rank him 20th, so they put him 45. And and guys like that, and like you said, some of these youngsters, Christian Javier, he was brilliant. But is anybody going to rank him like 15th based on his raw skill because it's so good? No, they're going to put him in the 33 area where you put him, which I, I'm totally fine. I have him 27, so I'm right there with you on him. And it's just a lot of guys like that, and that is a very difficult zone to live in for your pitchers uh, because there's a lot of uncertainty there. Even Kyle Wright, a guy I like, and we both, we both like, uh, we have one rank apart. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he's broken out for good. And this is where he is. He had high prospect pedigree and everything. So there are some nerves there. That is a dodgy little group uh, to have some concern with. And Jordan Montgomery is part of that because I could see it. I could see him kind of regressing back toward his Yankee level, even being in St. Louis for the full year, which isn't a bad level, but it's more mm-hmm. in like the 60s, 70s, or jumping up and having just a brilliant year where he's like lefty Wayno for the year and puts up 190 innings or something. So it is a tough ranking class. And, um, you've only been in one draft, so I, I can't mm-hmm. ask you like what you're, what you're doing. I know you've been pitching heavy. Do you think that's a pool you're going to try to live in, or do you ha- have nerves about getting too many guys from there? Uh, I mean, so like in my draft that I'm doing right now, I'm pretty, I pretty much lived in that spot, um, and I like my team, but I can uh, also I like see, your staff too. Yeah, like I, I like, I like what I did, um, but like I waited on starting pitching a little bit, and it left me having to kind of just live in this uh, in this spot because I did not take a starting pitcher until the fifth round. And so my starting rotation is, is Joe Musgrove, Logan Gilbert, McKenzie, Brady Singer, Patrick Sandoval, Eduardo Rodriguez, Eric Svalle, and then a bunch of other guys. Um, 
like that is, I think, a really solid rotation, and I really mm-hmm. like it. And I think it has some upside. It also is like a little kind of underwhelming in some regards. I'm hoping sure. that the depth, because I just really hammered uh, starting pitching, kind of rests the way. Like I've already through 38 rounds, I've already got 16 pitchers. Uh, I think that kind of puts me in a position where, okay, like if one or two of these guys, you know, fall off, I've got all these other guys to kind of backfill with. Um, but I think I would feel much more comfortable about getting a top five or 10 guy and then hitting these guys. Yeah. As opposed to, I'm going to completely wait on, uh, starting pitching and then get these guys or, you know, cause yeah, then, I, I, even McKenzie kind of fits this. I love McKenzie, but we know the yeah. health issues that he had coming up. Yep. I talk about how he's my direct body comp, 6'5", 165. Yep. Can he hold up to the rigors year after yep. year of being a, a full-time starter in the majors? So the talent is unquestioned. I think it's really health with him. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a scary group, but then you put a staff together like yours, and I'm like, I like that. I like that yep. a lot, like Musgrove, Gilbert, McKenzie, Singer, Sandoval, to start your rotation but if three of those five didn't go for you, I wouldn't be like, oh, how did that happen? I'd be like, yeah, well, that's you know the danger of that group. So mm-hmm. it is a, a really tough group. Montgomery finds himself there, but I'm excited about him as a uh, Cardinal for an entire year. Let's move on to a group of established arms that we have some questions about. And established, I kind of put in quotes because it does include Brady Singer, who did just break out. I guess I could put him in that young arms tier, that last one. But let's start with uh, John Gray. Now, I like John Gray. You love John Gray. I do. I love John Gray. 40th for you. And listen, it it, it happened, right? We, we, we map things out. We've been begging to get John Gray and Herman Marquez out of Colorado for, for years. Gray finally gets out and outside of injury, he was great. The only thing that stopped him was the health, but 396 ERA, 113 whip. That was really solid. Uh, I said, I said, great. You know, I I don't want to overstay. It was good. Uh, the volume hurt, but 65th is where he finished this year, despite the injuries limiting him to 127 innings. So it was a very good season for John Gray. What do you see for an encore here? And do you have any concerns about the health? We are now several years removed from his last 30 start season back in 2018. So that's three seasons without obviously throw away 2020. He never had the opportunity to do that. But even in that year, he got hurt. So we started to pile up some injuries with John Gray. How much pause does that give you? You know, I don't freak out over injuries, but he does have some persistent health issues. Does that give you any pause with John Gray? No, I mean, not a ton. I mean, he threw 29 starts last year, like 24 starts. He was was right there, but it wasn't there. Finished the year on the mound. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not super worried uh, about that. Love the home park. Uh, Again, pitching in Texas. You know, when we do these exercises of kind of like talking about each other's rings, like there are often times where like I'm surprised by the guys you kind of identify as uh, once you were like, hey, what's going on here? Uh, there are other times where I go, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and then there are ones where I come in knowing you're going to. <laughs> and this is this is the case of John Gray. I just love what he did on the mount. Like I really do. And I yeah. love the part. Uh I, and I love the fact that he finished the year healthy. You know, last start was uh, a really, really good start. Love that division that he pitches in against Oakland, um, against Los Angeles, uh, even though Seattle and, and uh, Houston are going to start being – well, Houston's already scary. Seattle's going to start getting uh, even yeah. scarier than it already is. 
Angels could, could be scary if they have a good offseason, but we know we know what they like to do. Um, I did. I don't know if I mentioned you have forty. I have eighty-one. Pardon me. Um, I'm already moving him up. I'm already going to acknowledge that I need to move him up. I'm not quite getting to forty. The hard part is like you look at like the the guys I have behind him, mm-hmm. and it's all these huge question marks. It's Chris Sale. It's Freddie Peralta, like, is he healthy? Is he gonna be healthy? Like, Kershaw, um, is he healthy? Kershaw, the, the three, you know, the Dodgers guys. Uh, Lodola loves Lodola, love the skills. It, it's still Cincinnati. Um, yep. You know, you know, uh, and you know, he's still super he has bad young. command too. Can you trust Drew Rasmussen? Mm-hmm. Uh, does Trevor Rogers and Jose Barrios bounce back? And so I, I, I get it here. I see. And you've always liked John Gray. Now that he's out of Colorado, his mm-hmm. biggest problem area, you put some confidence in him and said, I'll go ahead and rank him 40 because of these questions, I have a lower, a smaller question mark on Gray than I do these other ones. So I get that. So I'm moving him up a decent bit here. Uh, I'm going from 81 to 65 right away, which matches his end of season rank this year, 65. However, we have that as an end of season rank, but that was only in what, what did I say? 127 innings. Mm-hmm. If he can stay healthy and pop, you know, 28 to 31 starts. And, and even if he's just what he was this year, 396, 130, 113 uh, whip, uh, 396 ERA, 113 whip for John Gray. Then he can be a top 50 type guy. Still think 40 is a little too high, but I did jump him up. We are now just 25 spots apart. Um, are you holding firm at 40? for now but like i i do think i probably end up dropping him four or five spots um like i don't think i'm pushing him down below nick ludolo uh but maybe i drop him to like 44 uh just but at the same time like like i said the sky's behind him like i love patrick sandoval but that whip was not good he has got an injury history of his own. He's Terrible going to command be six man rotation. Health issues. Uh, you know, uh, so like, I should I? I don't think I don't know that I should drop him below that. Like Freddie Peralta, I love the upside, but the the injuries are really really scary right now. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna drop him to 42, uh, and and you know just buying Chris Sale and uh, and Freddie Peralta for right now. Uh. But I, I, I mean, I just I love the, I, I love what he, you know, has the potential to do in such a great ballpark if he can stay healthy. Like we said, I think that Rangers team is gonna get better, um, and so uh, yeah, I'm a big John Gray fan. Understood, and uh, I'm I'm not out on him. This isn't this is one we have ranks different, but we're both aligned on the guy. Mm-hmm. This one hurt me because I've always loved Taiwan Walker. I don't hate him now. Yes, you do. But I have to be honest about about how I feel about his skills, and I'm still worried. He had a good season. He had a great season. 349 ERA, 120 whip in 157 innings for Taiwan Walker. Uh, That was enough for you to put him 74, which is not an egregious ranking or anything. Mm -hmm. I got him 115, though. And my concerns lie uh, primarily with the skills. I mean, he doesn't strike guys out anymore. I think that is a big deal. And obviously he's had persistent health issues, which uh, you know it's baked into into the ranking to a degree too, even though I I do make clear I don't want to overrate the m- – mostly it's that I don't want to overrate the healthy guys, quote-unquote, because 
as cliche as it is, you're only healthy until you're not. It's the truth with pitching. The next pitch could always be the one that injures you. So he takes a little bit of a hit because he has chronic injuries that have, uh, you know, been present throughout his career with Taiwan Walker. But guys that are healthy don't always get a huge boost for their health because it's not guaranteed. So 74 to 115 is a pretty big split here. 41 spots. Tell me why I'm wrong about Taiwan Walker. Okay. Since be, since leaving Arizona, right? Okay. So we're just we're just talking about the last three years. This year was his best hard hit percentage, his best ground ball percentage, his best fly ball percentage. Um, he's now uh, thrown 150-plus innings in back-to-back seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does give up contact, but that park helps. Uh, and I think that uh, he does such a good job of uh, mixing his pitches that he keeps guys – from giving uh, or uh, hitting the ball extremely hard against him uh, very often. I just really, I think, I think he's gone from being this guy who could overpower you to being a really smart pitcher. Um, my biggest concern with him is health. Like, like, you know, Taiwan Walker has had a lot of health issues over the course of his career. That being said, like I said, it's back to back years with 157, now 159 uh, innings. Like at some point you got to give him credit for actually staying on the mound in a kind of era right now in which 157 innings is great. Like, I mean, we've got a lot of guys who are ranked above Taiwan Walker that threw 120, including Mm -hmm. like the guy we just talked about, John Gray. So um, I don't think he is, he's not the pitcher that he was, but that's okay. Like, again, he's one of these guys, I think he's going to give you reliable innings that aren't going to torture ratios. And when you're in those, kind of doldrums uh, of the year, like Taiwan Walker is, you know, disp- uh, dependable, you know, SP6 or SP8, depending on if you're a 15 or 12 team lead. 53rd most innings last year for his 157 and a third on Taiwan Walker. So that's a good point out there. I think 115 is probably too too aggressively negative. I just absolutely uh, certainly think sometimes I temper myself on guys I really do like, though, because I'm like, I don't want to overrate. I've been on this guy, you know, for years. I've been ranking him high, 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 and Hasn't really been there, but 115, definitely too low. He finished 52nd last year. That doesn't that doesn't really track to have him that low. So I'm definitely going to move him up, and I'm not even sure I'm going to call on you to move him down because I'm I, I, I'm thinking I'm actually going to be pretty close to that mark that you have him at in the mid 70s. I have him kind of at the bottom of a tier of boring guys, right mm-hmm. in front of a tier of like high upside guys, like. Depending on how, like, what depth of league you're in, um, how you like to draft, uh, you could flip flop that whole tier, like, right? Like, you yeah. could, you know, I've got them with Jose Urquidy, Merrill Kelly, Alex Cobb, Martin Perez, Miles Mikolas. Like, you could completely flip them with the guys going, you know, right below them in Andrew Heaney, Ashby, Tyler McGill, Josiah Gray, you know, Mike Clevenger, Kopak. Like, you could completely flip those tiers totally. and, like, like they're you know the difference between seventy five and one hundred and twenty five is just really not that big. It's not nearly as big as th- that sort of uh, fifty points would yeah. make you think. And we've talked about that for years now, going going back to terming it the globs. Uh, and there's multiple globs throughout the pitcher rankings. And I think even that glob we were talking about earlier, that twenty five to fifty or wherever it starts, but like that band of guys that are on the come up. Or, or have done some things, but they're still scary, that's its own glob there too. But these later globs, they get to be 50, 60 pitchers deep, and it really does come down to personal preference to a degree. But I have shot Taiwan Walker way up 
the rankings here. I've actually got them 78th now. So we only have yeah, a right three there. point disagreement yeah. or four point, uh, and that's nothing. So I actually have, uh, with moving other guys around, I'm 76. So okay, so there we go. Uh, we are not too far off now on Taiwan Walker after I jump him up to where I think he's he deserves that. I had him. I had David Peterson ahead of him, who I don't dislike. But like he's not even guaranteed a spot right now. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think is David starting. Peterson's in the rotation, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's totally fair there. And uh, I actually moved Peterson down a little bit in concert with that move just because I looked at it and I was like, okay, well, I do like him, but let's let's see what, what happens first with the Mets offseason. All right, let's talk about this next guy who, again, this is a, a player I like, but I think we might be in different areas on our concerns about Jack Flaherty, somebody you had uh, alluded to earlier. Obviously, it was a lost year, so I'm not going to hammer too hard on really anything that he did this year in 36 innings. Who who really gives a crap? It was a, a health washout. However, it was the second such season, 78 mm-hmm. innings a, a year ago, um, 40 innings, nine starts in the COVID year. It was nine starts of the full year? It was, right? 12, 12 was, I think. Okay, so yeah, I, I see it now. He missed, after his first start, he missed about a month. So, yeah, he even missed some time in the COVID year. So, again, standard disclaimer about I, I, I don't want to overdo it with the health concerns, especially when somebody has as much talent as Flaherty does. But we are seeing persistent issues here. I got him 68 to your 37 or 67 to your 37. 30 spots apart. Maybe we can meet in the middle here. The talent is unquestioned. But do you not have enough pause about uh, – I, I guess the injury does not have you worried enough to get him out of your top 50. No, Give it does. Yeah, it, I think oh, it you're, has You're to. coming like, down on I, Flaherty? Okay, talk to us about I, Flaherty. I love Flaherty, but what do I really love? I love the idea of Jack Flaherty. But we're not talking about three seasons in which he missed a substantial chunk of the season. And which was hard to, to do in 2020. Yeah. It's hard like, to miss a substantial chunk because you, you might have missed the yeah. whole thing. Um, and I think the fact that it was 2020 and everybody had an abbreviated season, I kind of discounted that a little bit. But um, yeah, no, this is uh, this is now three straight years where he has missed a chunk of the season um, in the last years, huge chunks of the season. Uh, and so, like, I don't know how I, I, I can't rank him in the top 40. I think I mean, I'm, I've got to drop him. Um, I'm going to drop him below. I think I'm going to drop him to 51. Okay, uh, and then we're pretty much in lockstep at that point. Even with a 16-point uh, difference, again, we just talked about how you start to get in some of these globs, and it's not that far off. Um, you know, I actually have him by one of your buddies, uh, Andrew Heaney, who you know talked yeah. about health concerns. Dustin May, John, uh, Dustin May, John Gray, Lance McCullers, Jesus Lazardo, Frankie Montas, a lot of injury type guys in this general vicinity here. I'm actually going to pick him up to 61. So then we're even closer on Flaherty. By the way, I'm going to roast myself real quick. I, I gave you a talk about instead of an actual question about five days after I made a tweet roasting the dog shit questions that the sideline reporters in the desk <laughs> were giving there. So I got a self roast that I gave you a talk about instead of an actual question. Uh, it is a little bit easier to do that in this because I am I just want you to get your points out. Mm-hmm. But I should have asked you a more pointed question about the health. So I got him 61 now for Flaherty. You said you moved him down to what? Pardon me? Uh, I think 51? I have 51, but I, okay. I can also make the argument like he should go behind George Kirby and Frankie Montas. And, and I put Tyler. him right by Montas. So yeah. Flaherty 61, Montas 62. 
Lazardo, May, McCullers, Gray, Heaney. They're all in that. And even Edward Cabrera. So these are the, like the high upside injury risk guys. Yeah. As a group is what I got going here. And the hard part is like you want to rely on track record with those guys in, in Flaherty, like his track record is is worse than a lot of those guys in terms of his injury profile. So absolutely. You you know the upside is huge. He could be a top fifteen pitcher this year, but like if Tyler Glass knows a top fifteen pitcher or Lance McCullers is a top fifteen pitcher, or even his Lazaro is a top fifteen pitcher, like we're not gonna be super surprised, right? Yeah. Like they all have the skills to do it. So he can't be like that far above these other guys, uh, considering what he's done or what he has not been able to do, which is stay on the mound. So yep. And just, if you pay too much for Flair and he hoping that he establishes himself again, that's where you get caught up. The, the beauty in a player like that is to get him at a fair price with that health concern, pushing it down. And that way, if he pops off, you're getting a mega, mega uh, windfall there with, with Jack Flair. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to check where he went in my draft um, real I can quick. Do, I can do the same. Because uh, I'm actually really interesting. He was not a guy that I was – looking to take necessarily and and while we're looking for where flaherty went i'm, I'm gonna um tease who we're talking about next and I'm, I'm surprised you haven't cursed me out for being lower than you on on cal quantrill but uh <laughs> i you love cal quantrill and i don't dislike him this is another one where we are not too far off on our uh on our like of the player we just have a little bit of a rankings difference by the way i got 220 for uh flaherty in my draft round 15 uh flaherty went a little bit higher in the th- mid third round or sorry mid 13th round okay um, of uh of my like i think that's fine yeah um, the, guy, the guys that went around him in my league uh were jameson tyone also you know guy who's good but has injury issues uh or, or at least in his track record not necessarily this year ranger suarez uh then flaherty then aaron ashby marcus stroman edward cabrera like i i'm not too I'm not yeah. too loud on that. And then if he had gone in the 13th round the way he did in yours, it would have been John Gray, Jordan Montgomery, Trevor Rogers, Lance McCars. So right in line with the guys I have ranked with. So maybe I agree with that 13th round area. Yeah. I mean, he went in between Sonny Gray and Kopech. I'll take Flaherty over both of those guys. Absolutely. Um, but he like in the same round as Luis Garcia, Jordan Montgomery, and Chris Bassett, who I will definitely take all three of those guys over. So um, you would I, take and- all three over Flaherty. Yeah, and, and in the in the 15th round of my draft, John Gray and Brady Singer went. I, I took Brady Singer. I would take both those guys over Flaherty uh, all day long. So, um, so we're pulling yeah. back a little bit on, on Flaherty. I think 14th, 15th round makes some sense. Um, I agree. I, but I also think there's going to be someone in just about every draft that goes, he could be a top you know, 15 pitcher. Like I'm and they're 10th not round, wrong, but what do you, you pay for that? Yeah, like I, when he has so many concerns, what can you really pay yeah. for uh, Flaherty to do that? And that's that's where my you know temperament comes in of like, okay, I like him, but I, I'm not going to overrate him. I want one of those guys on my team. I want a guy in the yes. you know after the 15th round that I feel like can be uh, a top you know uh, top three guy. or four yeah three or four round pitcher. But I want to make sure I'm getting them after that 15th round, uh, and I don't want a bunch of those guys. Like I, I like I want to be not the injury ones because mm-hmm. 
you know, you can mix a couple from that area. Like one guy needs a skill boost. The other guy needs a better team. And and then one injury guy. But if you do three injury guys there, if you go Heaney, Flaherty, Lance McCullers, I mean, you're just begging for trouble. They're well, all and, great, but I take that, one of them. That's what happened to me this year. And a lot of teams is I would take a stud or two, you know, towards the top. And then mm-hmm. I would fill in that middle part of my rotation with these guys, Andrew Heaney, Hyunjin Ryu, um, like guys who are either injury risk or skill risk. Um, and then I get to June or July and I still have my two studs. I still had Zach Wheeler. Like I still had like, you know, the top tier guys, you know, the Derek Coles or the Corbin Burns. But then I like, I'm streaming like six of my starting pitching slots. Like, yep. And you just can't you can't win that way um, because as we saw, like streaming pitching was not fun this year. Um, no, it it was really really tough. And that I'm very eager to see. You know, there's gonna be articles about it. We've talked about it on the pod. I wonder if that's gonna change anything in drafts. You know, across the community, not just in the NFBC world. Um, and again, it depends on your league size. It was still you know, pretty streamable in like tens, but even once you got to twelves and beyond, I know you didn't play them this year, but even in the twelves, I wasn't really finding options that I, I was really that confident in. It was a lot of uh, weak options. And then in fifteens, streaming was just really, really difficult. Um, all right. So let's talk Quantrill. I'll let you I'll let you get angry at me. Again, I, I do like him. How does he keep doing it though? I think that's the question that we have to ask. And you might not have an answer, but I'm curious what you think. Like watching him I see how it works. I get it, uh, at least to a degree. But then I look back at the numbers, and I'm like, 70% strikeout rate. You couldn't even strike me out. And 8-6 homer nine – or not 8-6 homer nine. 8-6 homer nine will get you out of the league. 8-6 uh, hits nine, pardon me. Uh, a very palatable 1.0 homer nine, which is what he had last year, too, for Cal Quantrill. It's right. His career is 1-1 because he had a little home run issue uh, early in San Diego. But, you know, after the 289, 118 last year, he goes 338, 121. So the whips keep saying that the ERAs should be higher, but they're not. Like, it did jump up from 289 to 338, but a lot of people thought it would jump from 289 to 489, and they were wrong, even though the strikeout dropped three points. What is going on with your boy Cal Quantrill, and can he keep this up despite such an unimpressive strikeout rate? And being relatively hittable, uh, 7.8 last year hits nine, 8.6 this year. Yeah, I mean, he is. He's very hittable. It's actually what makes him so good at what he does is that he gives up a lot of contact. But what he doesn't do is give up a lot of hard contact. He doesn't let people barrel the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all finesse, right? It is all like it's all command and control. And the days that he does struggle are, are days where his command is not where it should be. Um, that being said, like he's put together two good seasons where he goes deep into the season, uh, pretty much maintaining his command and control. And here's the hard part. Like he could be this, or he could be another guy that on, from his same team that we were saying very similar things about not that Zach. long ago. Exactly. Things could go things could go wrong very quickly. Um, and uh, like, and so like, I think he's one of these guys that in a draft and hold, I don't necessarily want. Um, okay. I prefer him in a fab league where I can drop him. If things go wrong. That um, makes sense. So if, if, if it goes awry with Quantrill, you want an exit plan. Yeah. So he's not really a DC target for you, despite putting no. on two solid years of 
you know, some decent volume. He was a hybrid guy last year, only got 22 starts because he moved in there late. Still put up 150 innings. And then this guy, full uh, this year, full-time starter, 32 starts, 186 innings. But that makes sense to me why you would not necessarily want him in the in the um, drafting holds. Yeah, but I mean, he was a guy that I identified last year as a guy I really wanted, but I did the opposite. Like I got him in all my DCs and I didn't get him in my uh, in, in my fab leagues. But I would have loved to have a guy like this as my SP6. Uh, in my fab leagues, it, it would have made for a completely different season. You need um, to send me a list of your five favorite guys. Mm -hmm. And then once we get into main event draft season, I'm just going to text you those names. Yeah. And say, if you do not come out of your draft with a couple of these guys that are your absolute favorites and you let yourself watch your favorites be great on everyone else's team, I'm going to shank you. Yeah, okay? I just got to take, take call. Cal Quantrill fifth in the fifth round and like absolutely be, yeah that's that's the strategy. Ed Mullins at yep. one one mm -hmm. yep maybe go like a closer in the second round and then Cal Quantrill in round three I think you got to yep. go round three to secure I think that makes I think that makes a lot of sense <laughs> but you need to attack you need to get your guys I feel bad I mean I didn't this year because we were in the same league uh, but I, I I'm <laughs> like damn he loves this guy he co-signed and I go look at your team I'm like oh but he doesn't have him. Yeah, see, I, I'm interested. I'm really looking forward to like, like I said, like these um these articles have been really depressing that I've been writing because <laughs> you talked about how bad my season was. Um, but one, I'm owning up to it. Like, don't tell me I don't eat crow when I'm wrong because, like, like I'm I'm writing a whole fucking series of articles on how bad things went. And I'm gonna uh, be clear, by the way, I didn't have a great season either, especially yeah. not getting in the cash of our main. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like I had like the worst season, but it was mediocre as hell. Oh, mine, no, mine easily was the worst season I've ever had playing fantasy. Um, but that being said, like, I mean, so do are the main that you and I are in together because, like, a lot of them, like, I can go, okay, I made these mistakes during drafting. I don't think I made a ton of mistakes in that league during drafting. I think almost all of it was in season management. Um, yeah. I mean, you were first at one point, a couple yeah. months into the year. Oh, I was joking so, around with um with Scott Jenstad at one point, and he said like, you know, like I'm hoping like to you know win the league, but I think you got a really good shot, and like you know, um, and then like from that conversation on, like the uh, like the entire team fell apart. Like, and I mean, it's the, just the weekend complete... in July third is when you were in first. Yeah. And then um, you guys took the Jason Pierre Paul fireworks route or something and just blew <laughs> yourself up because it was a it was a free fall from that. Mm -hmm. And you know, a month later, just a month later, you were in 14. Yeah. Like it's I don't say that every, to give you the flashbacks, but like that's how quickly it changed on you. And mm -hmm. it was all your pitching just hitting the yeah. hitting the all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll definitely be uh, that that should come out probably Friday ish, um, okay. Thursday or Friday. So, uh, yeah, it just it's just it was a bummer of a team. But that being said, I can't remember what we were talking about. I would have loved to have Cal Control on that. He would have worked out. Now, I will say this, too. You you can have your thoughts about him to the negative, folks, if, if you're not a big Cal Control guy. The one thing that makes him a lot easier to draft is the market does not overrate him. No. He went 22nd in my, my draft. Even if he goes three, four, we'll, we'll say five rounds higher, the 17th. I might not take him there because, you know, I'm looking at the guys that went in the 17th of my draft, Singer, Ivaldi, Eduardo, Urquidy, and Kopech. 
I would take all of them except Kopech above Quantra. I'm really out on Kopech right now. I'm just really nervous about him. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily take him there, but he could go upwards of three, four rounds higher, and it would still be a fair price for him. But the market knows to kind of keep his price down because of those skills. But he is doing a lot of things right, too. I don't necessarily believe that he's like a true talent upper fours ERA either. I think he is a guy that can live more in the upper threes, low fours, which would still be worse than these last two mm -hmm. years. But I don't think Cal Quantrill sucks. I really don't. Yeah, I, I don't either. And I mean, he went in the 20th round of my draft right next to teammate Cody Morris, um, yeah. who, I, you know, like is fine, but like, is he for sure got a role? Yeah. Um, I love the talent, know. but we don't know on Cody Morris just yet. You know, uh, in front of Alex Cobb, who's like another one of these guys, like, like, is he good? Like he, the skills say he's good, but and he got unlucky, but like, is he like, I don't know. Like, plus he, he, is. He, he rebounded, didn't he? As the season went on. Yeah. He did. He ended he under didn't. four. I mean, he still had a one thirty whip. And yeah. part, part of the quote-unquote bad luck with Cobb was the fact that, you know, he had some hitability there that... And um, the world's worst defense behind. Just like, unbelievable. And that's the thing, too. It's atrociously like, bad defense. If you're allowing extra contact and you have the worst defense, that's a match made in hell. So despite the fact that he had a really strong strikeout-to-walk rate and didn't allow homers he still had an ERA that was like a run higher than his fit. This is Alex Cobb mm -hmm. we're talking about. So yeah, I, I get it. But I will say if you like Cal Quantro, he's an easy buy because the market does not over yeah. overrate him. Uh, let's talk Tyler Molly. You had 55 versus 74. This is definitely in that area where our 19 point split really isn't much of a split. I don't think we're going to have sharp disagreement here on how we view him. Uh, I, I think we're going to end up being pretty close. And I think even with some shuffling that I've done here, he's already moved up a bit. So we're pretty close here. So let's not worry about our differences on Molly because I don't think that there are many. Let's talk about what our expectations are because we mentioned this with John Gray. We weren't quite banging this drum as long on Tyler Molly, but I know for me, I saw him as a half starter this year, so I wasn't really drafting him. I wanted him the hell out of Cincy ASAP. So he got traded, and I was pretty giddy. Um, and then four starts later, he pops in Minnesota. He's still going to be a twin next year. Do you see Tyler Molly as somebody who can really break out, and I mean even beat the 2021s? Because that's where he kind of broke out. He started to show flashes in 2020, brought it together in 2021 with a 375 ERA and a 123 whip in 180 innings. Can he build upon the 2021 for Tyler Molly being out of Cincinnati completely? I think he can. Um, and I, this this rank saying, I think he will. Uh, you know, he finished the year on the IL, which is, is a bit concerning. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, but his last three outings, um, he only gave up one home run, uh, which, you know, is kind of his, big, is his biggest issue. Now, his first yeah. outing in Minnesota, he gave up three home runs. But that was which was, against Toronto. Which was like, oh, come on. You know, because yeah. he got out of there and it was like, finally, he's free. And then he's like, here's three homers. But, like, yeah. even that, though, he only allowed four runs in six innings. It was palatable. Yep. And then he was great against the Angels. And then two busted outings surrounding his I uh, He was hurt. Health. Like, I, yeah, I think exactly. that, that's what it was. So. Um, if he comes into the year healthy, I probably should move him down just because he's, we don't know that he's healthy right now. Um, but if he comes in the year healthy, I'll move him back up. So I've got him 55 right now. I'm going to move him down. I've got an injury tier somewhere. Hey, here we go. I'm move him down at 69. Um, I got him 68. I put him in, in that injury tier that I had mentioned earlier with the Flaherty, Montas, Lazardo, May, McCullers, Gray, 
now Molly and Heaney with Eddie yeah. Cabrera. So I'm right there with you. All right. Yeah. We are in lockstep then. All right. So looking at the clock here, it's getting uh, beyond the hour mark. So let's speed run this one a little bit okay. here. The, these are some interesting young arms that that we have bigger splits on. I'm honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna punt Brady Singer. We have a 16 point split, but it's not I that love, far. I love and I I love, I love him too. I love you him. did go 31. Are you putting your money where? You're, I will ask you one question. Are you putting your money where your mouth is? And would you draft him that high? I don't think I need to. Um, now I may need to at some point because here's the thing: when I say I don't, I don't think I need to. I don't need to right now, and I, I proved it in this most recent draft, yep. where uh, or this draft that I'm, I'm currently in right now, where I got Brady Singer in the 15th round, and he went there's the 17th in, in mind. So that's there's not no there. way. There's no way he goes in the 15th round for very long. Would um, you pay 11th round uh, in my draft? Gonsolin, May, Pablo yes. Lopez, and Frankie Montas went there. Yeah, um, in my 11th round, Jeffrey Springs, uh, Andres Munoz, Lance McCullers, Lucas Giolito, and Charlie Martin. I will take him over all of those guys. Yeah, uh, I, I really like singers. That's why I, I I don't have pushback for you. We are just a little bit different, but you're fully confident. I'm quite confident. I've actually moved him up here during the, our discussion. He's at 42 now for me, so we're even closer, and yeah. I just don't think we're too far off. This next guy I do like, but I am – I am being a little bit cautious on Aaron Ashby. We have a 19-point split. I got 95. You've got him 76. Where do you come out on on, on the control? And is there a, a real path to improvement here? Or is he just going to be one of those command and con guys that has poor command and control that has to outrun it with the stuff? Um, I think command is better than he showed last year. I mean, you know, he had almost 20% home run fly ball rate. Like, I don't think that's going to be pretty rough. Yeah. As yeah. a ground ball guy too. So it's like yeah. any lot of fly ball, it, it was, it was going out of the yard pretty, I mean, in a one and five clip, obviously. And he's a 56%, 57% ground ball rate for Aaron Ashby. So that allowed the homers to be way up. Also had a 324 bad, but things didn't really work in his favor, but he does have a 10% walk rate in his uh, 139 major league innings. And that's in line with, it's a bit better than what he did in the minors, but he was also a, a bad control guy there. He'll be 25 next year. Mm -hmm. He threw 107 innings this year. I think he can build on that. I, I, there is upside. I'm still worried that maybe it's even still a year early on Ashby. Are you, is he somebody that you're targeting? He is a guy that I'm targeting. Um, but he's also a guy I want to pair with these, you know, Martin Perez's, Cal Quantrill's uh, kind of guys where like, hey, I know I'm going to get just palatable innings from these inning eaters types. Now I can pair him with a guy like Ashby that I don't know what I'm going to get. Like, I mean, if I got 140 innings from Ashby, I'm going to be pretty stoked, I think. And there's a chance, yeah. obviously, he gets more. Uh, but I really don't know what I'm going to get from Ashby. He's one of those guys that he could vacillate 20 spots either direction on my ranks, maybe even 30 spots or 40 spots on the lower end, um, just depending on what mood I am in during <laughs> That's that the beauty of ranks. Session. It's yeah. so true, by the way. Like, why'd you move him 15 spots? I don't know. I looked at some different yeah. things that day. Like, it, it is that fluid. I know that's not a satisfying answer for some people, but that is how it works with rankings, though. Yeah, and so, like, I think Ashby is one of those guys who's really difficult to rank and kind of pinpoint where he should go. True talent level, I think, says that he could be a top 50 starter 
uh, pretty easily this year uh, and, and probably even higher than that. But injuries have been a really big issue for him. Uh, control has been a really big issue for him. And like, like I said, like the command was not as good this year. I think it, like I said, I think it was better. Uh, I think it's better than it showed on, on kind of the numbers, but at the end of the day, like it, what happens on the field is actually what is important. So the reality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to keep him there. Um, okay. but he, for now, but like, like I said, he could easily, if I moved him down 20 spots tomorrow, like it shouldn't be shocking to people. Yeah. Yeah. That's Aaron, Aaron Ashby there for the Brewers. I'm, I'm not going to budge on this one. We have a 44 point split on Josiah Gray. I'm 122. You have 78. It's a two, three homer, nine and 219 innings. There's just not a world where that's going to be readily fixed. It might lower from two, three, cause that's truly atrocious, but where, where's your top 80 confidence coming from with somebody who's had such issues. And it's not just the home run issue. He also doesn't uh, uh, have much control. He's a 10% walk rate guy as well. He's been pretty hittable in an 8.2 hits nine outside of the, the quality raw stuff that can get swings and misses. What is there to like about Josiah Gray that gets you into the top eight? I, I had a, I had to come to Jesus moment with him during my rankings. I was like, I, cause I had him not quite where you did, but, but in my top 100, I said, you know what? No, like I, I can't wish cast this home run rate to fix itself. There Robbie Ray. And, okay. but, but he was never that bad to no, you. Yeah. He was that bad. Like, was go, he? I, I'm All sure right, he was like, <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure he was. Um, uh, but like, I mean, the, I, no. I think that's what he wasn't he was that bad. He has one bad season that high. It was the pandemic year, 2.3. But mm-hmm. coming into that season, he was a 1.3. He did have Homer issues with walks. I, I get what you're, where you're going with that. But Robbie Ray was way more refined than Josiah Gray. He's still a long way from even being mediocre slash poor Robbie Ray right now. And that's yeah. my concern with Gray. I, and that park does him no favors as far as for home run issues. Mm-hmm. Like the, the division loss. does him no favors yeah. either because, like, he's got three really good offenses in that division, and the Marlins at some point should start getting better offensively. Yeah, he should probably drop for me. That being said, like, there is part of me that still wants to believe. And I get uh, that feeling, but I, I, I couldn't let that per, uh, seep into my rankings. Yeah. Yeah, maybe oh, a little bit pretty tough. One, the hard part is like I have in this area, like with the Aaron Ashby's, and it's like you know these guys can move around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you say I had him? Let's see. Uh, you have him, something. yeah, seventy-eight. Uh, well, that's where I had it this morning. You, well, you've done a lot of shuffling, so he might be a little bit yeah, lower. He, but Josiah is still going to be top ninety. He's, he's at eighty something for me right now. I think I can move him. <sighs> Oh, I'm, I'm going to hold right there for right now. Just, um, but he will move at some point. It's just, it's really hard to like, you know, you've got Mike Clevenger. Like what is Mike Clevenger? You've got, uh, also Michael, Michael Kopech injuries. What is Michael Kopech? Um, Rosie Contreras, who I love the skills, mm-hmm. but the pirates hate him for some reason. And I think they're just being kind of overly, he's 22, right? I, I don't yeah. think we can go hate on that just yet. 
I understand that. I know what exactly what you're talking about. That yeah. point where he was just lingering in the minors. He wasn't pitching there. He wasn't pitching in the majors. What was going on? It seems like it was just kind of a break. Um, but he's he's 22, going to, going to be 23 next year. So I, I don't think they hate him. I just think that they're being very cautious with a, a really bright young arm. But with Josiah Gray, it's like I get the swing and miss stuff, but that's that's all he's leaning on right now, and there just hasn't been enough to counterbalance the problems for me. And, and the hard part, too, is even with the swing and miss stuff, like he had a 24%, you know, uh, strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. Like you you want a guy who's like 27 if you're going to be taking on that kind of risk. Yep, exactly. Um, and so I think that's one of the reasons he has to drop. I just have to figure out where to drop him, too. I still will get shares of Josiah Gray, but I want to get them cheaply as possible. Um, and, and, then, and you will like I, yeah. I think the market is going to be pretty smart about him. He went the, he went the 16th round of my draft with other question marks such as Ashby, Edward Cabrera, Alex Cobb, and Mike Clevenger, uh, and then Kopech went right after that. But then Singer, Eovaldi, Erod, and Urquidy went. I, this is a group I mentioned earlier. I would take all of those guys ahead of Josiah Gray. Yeah, he went in the 20th round of mine in the Cal Quantrill. Um, Rosie, Alex Cobb kind of area. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but I think I prefer to get him a few rounds later. Yeah, um, and so if Josiah Gray is going in more like the 16th round where he went in my draft, then I'm wrong in the market. I think it is overrating him at that point. I yeah. need something that starts with a two for Josiah Gray's round for me to have any interest right now. I did, I, you know, like, so, like he went in the 20th round. He did not go to me like in that um, I think that tells you. Like I, I much prefer who I got in twenty first round in Eduardo Rodriguez. Me too. I would I would agree with you there. All right, this one's not a point of contention because I'm not out on this guy. I parked Bobby Miller prospect for the Dodgers pretty low, just as kind of like a hey, I want him on the list. Uh, but you put him in the top one hundred. Are you confident that he gets a role? Um, I mean, I'm not confident in this moment, but. The Dodgers have a lot of question marks in this rotation. They've I would got, agree. Do you think he's the answer? Or a team like this, do, don't they have to get a more stable answer? I don't know that they will. Okay. They haven't been the team that has gone and gotten the more stable answer here. In recent Not pitching-wise, yeah. It's been hitters yeah. that they brought in with Betts, Freeman, Turner. And the times they've gone and gotten those big free agents, they haven't necessarily panned out the way they would have liked. Um, you know, in, in Trevor Bauer and... Uh, David Price and uh, like those guys. I know Price was a trade, but um, well, so fair, fairness on the Bauer thing that was off the field though. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, his he, talent he was, was 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 still there. So let, let's map it out a little bit. But first. I I think it I think it makes sense from a real life baseball perspective. Like, do you want to invest that much money into a guy that can be gone in an instant? Now with Bauer, it was obviously off the field stuff, um, but it could have easily been a, a flexor tendon goes. And, sure. you know, when they're so good at developing pitching and fixing broken guys, mm-hmm. um, do they just say, we can make do with Bobby Miller and the next Tyler Anderson, um, you know, and the yeah, next and are, are there even any great players for them to go after? I mean, maybe they try to get Rodon or something, but he's got such – uh, an injury track record that I, I hear you. Maybe they're like, okay, we're going to go with young guys and then bring in Michael Waka, speaking of mm-hmm. change up and, and maximize his change up and re sign Heaney or something. Um, there, there is 
the avenue for, for Bobby Miller to be up relatively early and maybe in a perfect world even break camp. Um, that's something that's a lot more plausible in today's game based on what we've seen now with the new rules and the way the team's uh, uh, adjusted to them this year with bringing up guys and, and saying, like, okay, we can get we can get some reward there with the uh, the rookie of the year stuff, getting draft picks. Pitched in AAA. It was a double-A, triple-A season, primarily in double-A for Bobby Miller, 91 min- innings there, 21 in triple-A. As a top 100 guy, I know you don't need him to break camp. And we're in draft and hold season as well, so mm-hmm. you could say this is a draft and hold ranking, and I would understand if you're like, okay, and then if we get to March and he's not up, then I'm going to move him way down. Yeah. Um, but are you going to be drafting him in your draft and holds? We have talked often about how we don't take too many prospects because you can get caught with nobody to play is he somebody that you are going to get some shares of bobby miller uh for the dodgers i I mean i would like to i did not get him in this draft i was pretty close to taking him and he went right before my last uh my last two picks in the 35th he went in the beginning of the 35th round um i would have liked to get him uh that being said like i took cole win what round did he go in 35th he went in the 21st of my draft yeah so, so I'm glad like he, that's not his price, though. I, mm-hmm. I, I like to see the. Bounce. I think he's. I think he's going to be one of those guys that bounces around. Like, I mean, one I of the things I saw in my draft, um, which I'm, I think I saw in your draft too, was prospects uh, went all over the place and quick and fast. Like people that can really, happen in DCs because if there's mm-hmm. two, three people that love them, there's there's they're just yeah. taking them every which way. So, uh, but that being said, like I prefer Cole Wynn. Um, and, Why not as well? By the way. Yeah, so uh and and I took him in the twenty eighth round. So um I think Cole Wynn could break camp. I think he could too. I, I'm pretty surprised he didn't make an appearance this year. Like I know they're not yeah. a good team, but like they were giving guys chances and there were some flaws in his game, but he pitched triple A all year, 122 innings, uh 15% walk rate for Cole Wynn, pretty dicey there in a nine three hits nine, but he was also in the PCL. I, I thought he'd get a shot, even though the surface stats uh, and even some of his skills weren't great, but I'm, I'm intrigued by Cole Wynn. I definitely like him, but let's finish up with our last guy. And this one hurt me because I looked at your ranking. I was like, that's where I had him, but I've got some concerns about Matt Manning's health right now. It's nebulous though. Right. And that was the, cause we talked about this one offline and you were like, I didn't really see anything. So I put him 86. I being you again, in this case, I am one Oh six. So we have a 20 point split, which again, in this tier is not crazy, but I'm nervous about the forearm. He missed a bunch of time to end the year with the forearm strain. The team is saying it's precautionary because we were terrible. Why why bring him back? All that. But I'm a little bit nervous right here with Manning, especially with everything that's been going on with the Tigers. All three guys blew up in, in the wrong way. Mize, TJ, Scooble busted, and Manning busted this year. Like, this year could not have gone worse for the Tigers. But you have Matt, some confidence in Matt Manning with an 86 ranking. Is he somebody you're drafting, and what is your outlook with regards to this nebulous forearm strain that he's been uh, dealing with. Yeah. I mean, I drafted him in this, in this league. So yeah, I, I am drafting him. Um, it was one of those guys where like, I just kept waiting to pull the trigger and like, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I got to a point where I was like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to take the gamble here. I don't have very many stashes. Uh, 34th. Like 45th round in my draft. Yeah, and I mean, part of the reason I didn't, um, yeah, 34th round, King of 34th round. Um, one of the reasons I kept putting it off is like, man, he went super, super late in, in Paul's draft. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe I can keep waiting, but like, man, the pitching, the pitching is 
deep in some regards this year, but it's also like it dries up. And one of my issues last year was like I would wait and wait and wait, and then all of a sudden it dried up, and I was like, oh, now there's nothing. Um, and Manning, if he's healthy, will be in the rotation. Um, now, I think in a 50 round drafting hole, you have the ability to have like five real stash spots. So, you know, whether that's injury or prospects, like I think you have uh, five five stash spots. Uh, he's one of them. Uh, Cole Wynn is another. Uh, but you just want to be very, very careful not to stash all of either one position, like uh, starting pitcher um, or. You know, like I had a I had a draft and hold that I actually finished sixth, uh, and it had two main weaknesses. And I was in like second place going into like the last couple weeks of the season. Um, uh, but my two main weaknesses were um, my closers. I lost my closers really early on. Like I I ended up finishing the year with like twenty one saves, which was like fourteenth place. Um, but that was you know just not identifying guys and Will Smith losing a job after the draft because Kenley got signed. Um, oh, the other thing yeah, was that, sucks. Um, that, that, that hurt me in a few leagues. Uh, the other thing was stashes. Like I stashed so many guys that mm-hmm. when I did get hit with a rash of injuries, I didn't have enough guys to, you know, actually, uh, you know, field an active, fully, fully active lineup at times. And so mm-hmm. I'm being very careful in these drafting holds to not get overly excited by prospects, not get overly excited by, uh, injury stashes take five and that's it yeah I, I think that's a good way to put it and one thing that i would definitely recommend uh with regards to these drafts these these draft holes is map out what you really want to do mm-hmm. like really take a look and say okay i want to get this many pictures this many of this position three catchers if i take an elite one four if i kind of play in the middle or the back end with it um you really want to map that out or else you're going to get caught in the draft not really knowing where you should go and i've done that before where i've kind of winged it throughout the entire thing and then i'm like this team blows like i didn't have a cohesive plan it's 50 rounds you really need to know your plan especially for rounds i would say 20 through 50 in particular, yeah. it's kind of easy to go through those first uh, 15 to 20 rounds, but then you get into the the rest of that team building. That's your team for the whole year. So I like your idea of five stashes, split them up between prospects and injuries, split them up between positions. That's a really good tip there uh, because it is draft champion season and I finished my draft. You're in one and things are going uh, going on right now with drafts. If you're taking the time off and you're not drafting yet, I don't blame you. We're insane. We're yeah. absolutely insane people. Well, there's also one of the reasons they do these early drafts is it helps me really kind of learn the player pool. Like completely you know, agree. I, I mentioned on a previous episode um that I really felt the infield was uh, a lot weaker than the outfield. I now know that that was incorrect. Um the outfield is awful um this year. So like uh I and I made that mistake in the draft. Like, hey, like, oh, you know, I took Juan Soto in the first round and then like I waited a while and now I'm like, holy crap. What do I do in the hell? What do like, I do? Yeah, I Michael uh, A. I, Taylor, welcome to my team. Like you I know, learned that just, the hard way too. I, I stacked that amazing infield, which I love, but then outfield got a little dicey, and I was like, uh oh, we'll figure mm-hmm. it out. But uh anyway, great talking. You handled the fire well. I'll be on the hot seat on Friday as we dice up my rankings and you give me some pushback on some guys. Uh we'll have that coming Friday. But until then, Justin, great talking with you and have a good one. Take it easy.